Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Justin, aka Just Tries, and we're always talking vulnerability, goals, and growth mindset. To find coaching and content geared toward helping you set goals and chase your dreams, go to justkeeplearning.ca. It would mean a lot if you would pass this episode on to the first person you think of who may appreciate it. Our guest today took his skill as a street graffiti artist and turned it into an incredibly successful business. He's part of a spray paint collective in the UK called Graffiti Life that has built a reputation for more than just incredible art. He is also a public speaker, mentor, and alongside co-founder Adam hosts the hit podcast Creative Rebels, which teaches how to turn creativity into business. He always hung on to the hope of using his favorite art tool, a spray can, into a legitimate career even in the face of many people saying it was a bad idea. We got to talking about the difficulties of traditional school for creatives, how to start a podcast, overcoming adversity while pursuing creativity, and to never give up on your dreams. Please welcome to episode two of Learned, David Speed. I saw on your Instagram some recent uploads. Are those paintings that you're doing now? Yeah, so uh, as we're recording this, we're in the middle of COVID-19 and lockdown. Uh, Unfortunately, my studio is about a 10-minute walk from where I live. Um, So I'm able to do my exercise every day, walk into the studio, um, and then there's not another soul around here. So um, I think if I couldn't paint during this time, then I'd I'd be going crazy. But luckily, I'm able to get here and I have that outlet. um, Because I think for me, like staying creative, it's not something I ever used to do. I used to be really lazy. Uh, I'd probably just like sit around and watch movies or something. Um, but now like I've kind of realized that for me to be at my happiest is when I'm being creative. So um, I need to make sure that I'm kind of doing something all the time to sort of keep my brain active. I, I appreciate that. The idea of being creative, I think, is pretty underrated. And it's something that a lot of people I'm finding discover later in life. Yeah, so I, I discovered recently that, um, so, so I have a podcast and one of the listeners to our show um, sent through all of these studies because it's something I'd mentioned on the show that I thought when I was at my darkest and most depressed and didn't really feel like I belonged as a member of society, didn't really feel like I was um, contributing or that anyone valued me in any way. Um, it was when... I found art and uh, I started painting, but I actually found more of a sense of self and a sense of who I was. And it was being creative that got me from that dark place and started making me feel better. Um, And I mentioned something about that on the podcast. And I said, I don't know if this is a fact because I'm just speaking on my personal experiences. I was like, I think that being creative is really good for your mental health. And then someone got in contact with us and said, actually, you're completely right. Here's all of these studies. And she sent through all of these links to all of these academic papers that have been made on how creativity is really good for mental health. There's obviously a lot to do with like focusing your brain and, and getting out of yourself and creating something. It's like when I'm creating things, I'm not thinking about who I am or where I am or anything. It's, it's more about the work than it is about me. Um, so I think there's probably something to that. But yeah, definitely creativity and mental health go hand in hand. In terms of learning something and continuing to advance your skills, it's the same kind of thing. I have a lot of empathy for what you went through as well, both for my students and my own journey. It's the same type of story that we can tell. So I definitely believe strongly in in what you said. So I guess you kind of answered a little bit, but what does working from home look like in the UK for the Creative Rebels right now? Yeah, so um, I'm obviously really fortunate I can walk to the studio. Adam, my business partner, who co-hosts the Creative Rebels podcast with me, he um, he's just 
at home. So he's been doing um, watercolor paintings. He's also a photographer. And so he shoots people but because he can't meet up with anyone. What he's been doing is getting people to send selfies to him. And then he's editing them from his house. So he's been doing some isolation selfies. So, um, yeah, just finding ways to, to sort of keep active. And obviously, we've been recording a lot of podcast episodes as well. So that's just busy. In terms of that, you've been able to keep it going? Yeah, we, uh, we quickly realized that we were going to have to work out. Because our podcast, we've always insisted that we do it in person. Um, because when you do a podcast in person, you have the chance to really sort of build a relationship with someone. And certain people that we were inviting on our show... We wanted them to be guests because we were interested in what they had to say. But there was also a chance that they might become a future client. So building that relationship over, because you can't just ring someone up and, and say, I want to have an hour chat with you. They will just say no because people are busy and they don't have time for that. Whereas if you say to someone, can I interview you for my podcast? A lot of people are kind of quite flattered by that. If they take the time out to do that, then that's an hour of time that you have spent with that person talking about a whole load of different stuff. You can drop in what you do and then maybe then there might be a relationship growing from that. So we always had a rule of like, we only do in-person podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've had a lot of people reach out from, uh, specifically from the States, a lot of people from America have reached out and said they wanted to come on the show. But we've always said, no, our rule is that we only do in person because we, we wanted to build these relationships and then lockdown happened so we were like we want to keep putting out a show we're going to have to start doing the in person and we we're actually really surprised at how much of a connection we are still building with people just through a, a zoom call and and having a chat online so it has worked out really well for us i think so and it'll expand that market i was one of those people a year ago who reached out because for me because i was so new to the social media space it was more about goal setting wanting to go on podcasts or collaborate on youtube videos with people in the future and people that i respected in the creative space um, who i look up to reaching out and i have family in the uk so i said that when i'm there then hopefully i'll have enough uh, of a reason to for you guys to be able to have me on by that time whether it's education or uh, creativity so i know what you're saying the amazing thing about podcasts is that they're evergreen Um, and so that that means that as a show grows and more people are um, exposed to it they can always go back and find earlier episodes it's it's really funny like when you when you do a podcast you kind of you record it and then it's done and you don't think about it again but you have to realize that whatever you say on that show is then going on to potentially help hundreds and thousands more people as they discover it through time so yeah absolutely honored thank you Well, no worries. And I have to say that I really appreciate you doing it because I know that there's a level of people wanting a certain uh, proof in terms of a product or service. You have to understand that, right? Because most podcasts, the average podcast only lasts seven episodes because after seven episodes, most people give up. So when you ask someone to be your guest, they have to basically take a gamble that you're going to be in the small percentage of people that don't just last seven episodes that do carry on and take it forward. Um, So I can totally understand people being protective of their time. I mean, I wouldn't have had time to do this if it wasn't for COVID and for lockdown and all of that stuff because I'm running businesses and doing all of this other stuff. It's not just the podcast. So I I think I I totally understand that. But but at the same time, you never know. I think it's always worth a DM or an email um, to just try because if 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 you DM 100 people one of them will probably say yes, and that's all you need. Then you've got a building block, you've got a starting point. That's definitely something I'm trying to teach my students is um, not that it's sales, but it's statistics a little bit when it comes to this 
trying to build up your ability to uh, create online business. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, when we ask when we ask certain people to come on our show, depending how savvy they are, some people will then ask us um, how many downloads we get because then it's then they're ascertaining whether it's worth their time. Most guests don't ask. Some people will ask how many listeners you have, and, and then they will make that decision. Yeah, to each their own, right? I know that some people stand by the fact that you never know what piece of content or quote would have come out of a podcast that you can also use kind of on your end. Maybe yeah. you didn't know you were going to end up saying or whatever connection. So I just, I really do appreciate your taking a chance on it. I will, I promise to make it past seven episodes. One thing I always say to people as well is um, the, the idea of planting flags. So a flag is every piece of content that you make, whether it's an Instagram post or, and it doesn't have to be a piece of content. It can also be if you meet someone in real life and you give them a business card, that's you've planted a flag. And what you want to do is plant as many flags for people to discover. Um, because the more flags that you have out there, the more opportunities that will come to you. That's, it's just kind of the matter of it, is that the more people you hit, so every follower that you get on, on a social media platform, they're seeing your flags on a, on a regular basis. So that's why I kind of, I, I'm not about chasing followers, but I, but I do advocate like get as big an audience as possible because then you have more chances of your flags being discovered. But the interesting thing is, um, if you look in terms of business, if you look at our Instagram account, Graffiti Live, at graffiti underscore life, we have 50 something thousand followers on there. Um, we have made zero pounds and zero pence from that Instagram account. If you look at my LinkedIn account, I have maybe 200 connections on LinkedIn. Um, we have made, well, millions, literally millions from those connections. So, as you're planting your flags, it doesn't matter if you don't reach a million people, if you reach the one person that is willing to pay for your product or service. So me being on this podcast is a flag that I've planted because if someone happens to listen to this that then employs me later on, and 10 people might listen to this show, and that's it. No more than 10 people listen. If one of those people that listens is the CEO of Pepsi, and he goes, oh, I like that guy's style. And uh, we've been thinking about doing a, a mural campaign for Pepsi. Then all of a sudden, I have landed a multi-thousand dollar deal from that one flag. So that's why it's always worth, if you have time, it's always worth planting a flag because you never know who will see it. Of course, or in my case, the Prime Minister of Canada. There you go. And those types of connections, for sure. I think for me... Uh, this COVID thing definitely has created two reasons why I'm doing this podcast. And one is not being able to access my students. But the second one is that I always wanted to start a podcast, but I didn't think. Uh, and actually, that was the first reason I reached out and asked you about remote podcasting was because I always loved your podcast. But I um, not to say you kept me from doing it, but I, I was curious if good podcasts filmed remotely and most of them were able to get interview guests locally. So that was part in my mind of what slowed me down a little bit because I was always wondering how would I, oh, I'll figure that out later. I'll figure that out later. Yeah. I mean, you've got to look at Tim Ferriss has one of the biggest podcasts in the world and his is always done remotely. So 
there's there's people making it work. It's, it's I, for us, it was just personal taste that we actually wanted to, if we wanted to, reach out and touch the, the mm-hmm. person we were interviewing. But now you can't even do that if you're in the same room. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I, I think this has just gone to show that that I mean, we'll we'll be less fussy now. I think if if a guest reaches out now and we can't meet them in person, then we will now consider doing this. Whereas in the past, it was just a blanket no. Yeah. Which is great. In terms of podcast names, I think it's an interesting thing. It's kind of like the Wild West. There's show, there's podcast, there's radio, there's audio experience. Do you have any advice for people who are choosing podcast name? My advice for people choosing a podcast name would be pick something and go with it. Because too many people spend six months worrying about what it's going to be called when they could just be recording. At the end of the day, the the name is not important. Um, I mean, Nike is the Greek goddess of victory. It doesn't. I mean, it, it, like you don't think of you think of the brand when you hear the net like Apple. I don't think of apples. I think of the massive technology, and that is because they have crafted that every time you hear the word Apple, unless there's a piece of fruit in your hand, you are thinking about them because they're masters of branding. So. Your show could be, I mean, think of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, you don't think of a Red Hot Chili Pepper, you think of the band. It doesn't really matter what your name is, as long as what you are doing within the show is providing people value. As long as you can make a show that people want to listen to, it doesn't matter what it's called, because people will, eventually the name will lose meaning. It will just become, that's your show. So, I mean... So many names are taken. We were bowled over that the, the name Creative Rebels hadn't been taken. It seems ridiculous. We brainstormed, we wrote down lots of different words. And I mean, Creative Rebels is just perfect because it says everything. It's creative people. We wanted people that listen to the show that we wanted them to not think that we were Creative Rebels, but to think of themselves as Creative Rebels, which would then, that's why they would need to listen to it because they would go, oh, well, that describes me. That's what. That's how I feel. I don't feel like I, I belong in a proper job or society. Like I feel like a little bit of an outsider or because the arty creative ones we're always made to feel like we're a little bit weird or goofy so we wanted to get that across so we just wrote down loads of different words that meant things that we wanted to get across with the show and then started pairing those words up and seeing if they worked together and it's funny I can't even remember any of the names that didn't make it now it's just become Creative Rebels but at the same time just yeah don't think too long about it now like maybe spend a couple of days narrow it down to a few that you're happy with and then just go for it because you can be called you can think of the funniest wittiest best podcast name on the planet but if you're not putting out regular content that people are enjoying then the show won't do well anyway so it's really not that important just pick a name and go with it and and that's the other thing that did hold me back a little bit was less the name but it was the already seeing the competitive landscape you know i know what it was like to enter youtube when it was fairly saturated so not that podcasts are but i needed to find something uh, i felt was unique um, as i think any creative should make it a little bit their own and one of those things that I'm trying is having 
episodics where the episode is like a mini documentary. So I'll have yourself on as well as a couple others speaking to these concepts on the topic of podcasting and online business. How do you feel about that format versus an hour uh, with one person? The cream rises to the top. I think however saturated a platform is, if you are making good work, you will rise. There's there's any number of examples of, of people who've started who've got to the party really, really late. But because they produce incredible work, it's doing well. Um, I remember the just before we started our podcast, uh, so we've been going for a year now. So around, it would have been around a year and a half ago when we were first starting to think about setting up. I googled, as you do, like how to set up a podcast. And one of the first articles I read, and I took a screen grab of it because it's so funny. One of the first things I read was, do not think about setting up a podcast now. It's too saturated unless you have a company behind you that wow. is going to promote it and pump it, pump money into it, then you have no chance of success. And so I took a screen grab of that because, again, the rebel in me, I was like, okay, well, I definitely want to do that. I definitely want to prove this random commenter wrong because I just don't believe that that's the case. I feel like we're going to make a good show and we're going to make it successful. So that's that's and we did. Being scared of getting onto a platform just because it's saturated, I don't think matters. And I think looking at innovative ways that people haven't seen. So for example, because it's all about the end user. Like people don't tune into my podcast because how handsome and hilarious I am. They tune in because of what they can get out of it. And so we always have to remember that it's always about the end user. By chopping up the content into into relevant chunks, then that just serves the end user. Because if I if I'm worried about naming my podcast and I go and I type into YouTube how to name a podcast, I stumble across your video and you have five experts talking about how they named their show. So I swear, um, that is very useful. I don't know if that's a bad thing yet. <laughs> <laughs> so we allow cursing on our, on our show, but I, I, I didn't ask you at the beginning whether it's okay. But, but yeah, if, if I then stumble across that video and it's got five experts speaking about the topic that I'm interested in, how to name my podcast, that is so much more value to me than listening to a full hour of where there's some things that I'm useful to. So, so I, I think it's a good idea, but I mean, I'm just one guy. So try yeah. it, test it put it out to the market, see how people respond, see how listeners get back to you and say, this worked, this didn't work for me, and then adjust accordingly. Our podcast is different now to when we launched because we've listened to what people have told us and said, oh, we like this, we don't like this. So you, you're always changing the level. I have to say I've always appreciated it. I think with any art form, you can see people evolve and the quality just goes up and up as long as people stick with it. So I've noticed that, um, but I've always appreciated the hashtag and found myself um, listening to your episodes because I can see myself in a lot of both the guests and you guys in terms of uh, all that you stand for. So um, no, I think the, the point that you made there that is so key is that the more you do something, the better you get at it. Don't ever go into anything expecting to be good straight off the bat. Like everything is a journey. And there, there's no, I, I believe that there's no such thing as natural talent. Everyone who is good at something has been doing it for a long time. Um, and they put the hours in, they put the work in, they put the practice in. And I truly believe that if you want to become good at something, all you have to do is work hard and push through when you suck at the beginning. Like, I mean, my full-time job is as a graffiti artist. When I first started, I absolutely sucked. When I do talks in schools, the first thing I do is I show my old work because 
if I show my work now, then it kind of looks like this thing of like this unachievable thing of like, oh, a lot of people throw around like gifted, talented, all of those kind of words. And when you say gifted, it's like, oh, it was like, oh, gifted. It's like, it doesn't work like that. So I always show like, this is where I started. And they're like, okay, that's relatable. I can basically draw as well as that. That's kind of a stick man. Yeah, like, like that's my level. And then I show them where I am now. And they kind of always gasp because my like my work has grown over the past 20 years that I've been painting to, to the stage that it's at now. I had no natural talent. So I got a C in the UK in the GCSE art um, exam. Like the C is like, average it's like not very good not great but it was just practice time and practice i know i chose a solid guest because you kind of answered a little bit of both of my next questions with that answer randomly not that there are major cultural differences, but I think one of the important things for my podcast will be combining education and entertainment. I have so many of my students who are living in forests, quite literally, because they're high school dropouts and have nowhere to live. Yet, a lot of them get around devices or Facebook, social media. So in terms of bringing education to mainstream platforms, what are your thoughts on, let's start with what school does well first for kids? Uh, I'm not a big fan of the school system designed a hundred years ago to create factory workers uh, in the industrial revolution and the whole world has completely changed since then and the school system really hasn't. I think the only good thing about education is the good teachers and even then they are so often working within a system that has handcuffed them. Uh, we interviewed on the podcast with the best teacher in the world, um, Andrea Zafiraku, and, and she on a regular basis will have to go out and buy her own art materials for her students because she wants them to paint and draw and be creative. They are, and she's like, vastly underfunded governments don't prioritize learning and they don't prioritize the school system uh you're asking me what's good and i'm still talking about what's bad so the the teachers are the heroes the teachers are the people that want to make a difference in young people's lives and i believe that the school system is so fundamentally broken that it just needs to be completely rewritten. Now, in terms of education versus learning, I think it's safe to assume you appreciate learning. So what do you 100%. think is important for youth to realize the difference? Learning is everything. I think that so much of happiness is built up in progression. And I think the more that you progress, the, the happier you become. And I think that that comes from learning. And so I'm like such an advocate of learning as much as you can and i think that people learn in different ways and now that we have the internet we don't have to stare at books or or like recite things or, or write things down over and over again we have learning at our fingertips I think podcasts are a fantastic way of learning. Um, I learn through listening to people's stories much more than I do reciting a textbook. Right. And this episode is not about me, so I won't go into it. But that's really my goal is how can we bring some mainstream educational things that are value valuable in terms of curriculum goals, like things that kids should learn, package them in a way that's not rooted in a system from 100 years ago. And that's why I, I admire people like you is because if you're a student that's listening to this right now, there's a good chance that you have been made to feel that you are less valuable or less worthy than other people. And that 
just just isn't the case. Um, just because you learn differently or the, the traditional school system didn't work for you, dude, it didn't work for me either. I, like I, I found myself at a stage in life where people told me that I was never going to make it as anything. And I mean, I had the, the idea of being an artist for a career and I was told by a teacher once that art was not a valid career option and that I should be more realistic. So I was actively discouraged by people who should have been lifting me up and, and trying to make me succeed. So I think that you should never let, because like, what do they know, right? What do they know? The people that have told you that, oh, you're stupid or you're dumb or you're not good at learning or you're, you're not smart. I mean, I'll take my street smarts um, and everything that I've learned through a career as a graffiti artist has helped me hugely in the business world because I managed to get the confidence. I mean, this was a, like a 10-year process of being in business, but I've managed to get the confidence of people just seeing me as a vandal um, and, and like a not valuable member of society to gradually building up my confidence where I can sit in front of, I mean, I, I walk into meetings with brands like Nike or Disney and I can sit across the room from them and confidently be like, yes, I'm here because you guys think that my art is valuable and it takes a long time to shake off the things that you've been told when you were younger to actually realise I know that I'm built for something more. I know that I can do so much more than these people believe that I could do that are just dismissing me, that are writing me off of this is how, this is your level, this is your ceiling of what you're going to achieve. So fuck those people, do yourself, like just keep working towards, if, if you know that you can do it, literally all you need is to learn how to do it. So just put your time into learning and then you'll be able to get to those places that you want to go. And that's what's amazing for me is uh, you, you're hitting on all the topics that I would be too. I teach so few students in a year because of the intensity of their needs. I see them one on one and typically I'm lucky to see a student or two a day. And over the course of a year, maybe a total of 30 kids, oftentimes they're really, really struggling with severe addiction or, you know, they're having to leave the breastfeed every few minutes and these kinds of needs. So um, my goal with this is to be able to access more youth to hear the message you just said, right? Because that's the challenge that I feel like I'm empowered to create this with now is how can we get exactly what you just said to way more than 30 kids? So thank you for that. Um, have you seen Dave Chappelle's? He won the Mark Twain Award for comedy. And on Netflix recently here anyways, it was uploaded uh, the awards ceremony spliced with okay. his comedy. You should check that out because it's kind of geared towards him getting that across the kids, right? To chase your dreams. Um, he walks on stage smoking at the end and he's like, what are they going to do? Kick me out? And he goes on to talk about, look, I'm smoking indoors and it's 2019 or whatever. And, yeah. but he's not being as much of a rebel as he is saying, like you have to do what you believe in. And that it was cool. Yeah. It was well done. Yeah. Okay. So off of that is perfect. My students are not going to get proper jobs as you guys put it in many cases. In most cases, they need to figure something out, but they also don't have entrepreneurial skills to begin with. But I know that it's in them to do it. What would be some tips you would give somebody starting this entrepreneurship journey? Sure. So I didn't have any of that either. I just realized that I couldn't work a proper job. Um, I couldn't be stuck in. So I used to work like part-time jobs, mostly in retail. So I'd be working in stores, um, like selling phones to people, all of that kind of stuff. And I looked at members of staff who were maybe five years older than me, 10 years older than me, and 20 years older than me, and realized that they were just all of this treadmill and everyone was going the same place. And I knew that I didn't want that for my life. 
five. Um, so in 2010, that was when we first started business. It was it was a way out. It was an escape. It was so I was just like, okay, well, I've got to work this out. Um, my dad was a plumber. So he made his own living all of his life. So I was like, well, if my, like my dad came from like, he left school when he was 16 and like no real education to speak of. And then he just learned a trade and went and did his thing. So, so I was like, well, I've got the trade. I know how to paint. Now I just need to work out how to get people to pay me to paint. So, um, that's a long process. I think it's meeting people. Um, it's meeting people that can facilitate basically whatever your dream is. There's a person on the planet who can make that happen for you you just don't have access to that person yet so that might mean 10 years of making connections to get to that spot um it might just be one dm away you've got to start like meeting people back then make opportunities um happen for you and the second thing is you need money to survive so you've got to start making cash first you've got to work out what you can do well and if that's if you don't know what that is yet then you need to find that thing and become really good at it once you become really good at something then you need to work out how you can monetize that. As long as you are providing value for someone, you're making someone's life easier in some way, you can charge for that. And then you just need to gradually, bit by bit, work out how to charge for it. When we first started off, we were just painting like kids' bedrooms. And so we would charge, uh, I think it was £250 to go and paint a kids' bedroom. Then we started to realize what we wanted to do with the company was we didn't want it to just be the three of us who started the business. We wanted to help all of our artist friends as well. There weren't enough inquiries coming in to paint kids' bedrooms to in order to do that. So what we realized is if we started pitching our work towards brands who have a lot more money than just someone who wants you to paint something for their kid, then we'd be able to bring in more money, which would be able to pay more people. Rather than spending the same amount of time painting one job for 250 quid, what we would do is we would try and spend the same amount of time getting in a job that would pay £10,000 that would feed like five artists for a couple of weeks. And so it was just about where we had our time. And so work out who your customer is, find where they hang out. So for us, it was brands. So we started adding people on LinkedIn who worked with the different brands that we wanted to work for, started going to networking events, meeting people, taking like a portfolio with us on the iPad of the walls that we did and just like scrolling through, showing people our work. And it's just a gradual process of building up bit by bit. Nothing happens overnight. And it wasn't until three years of running a business where we finally could actually sort of start paying ourselves a wage because before that it was just little bits here and there just enough to survive on. Very well put. Okay, I guess a couple of questions specific to podcasts. One thing that I think you guys always do well is asking questions. You ask questions well. Is there any tips that you would give to someone in terms of asking questions? It comes back to something I mentioned earlier, which is always keeping your end user in mind. So I, like I'm a fan of hip hop. We've had Torrey on the show. Uh, we've got the freestyle rapper Harry Mack coming up in a couple of days. And I could quite easily go down a rabbit hole of talking about Biggie and Pac. I'd like all of these, like I could easily do that. I realized that not everyone that listens to our show is interested in it. It's not a hip hop show. It's a show for creatives. So I have to craft questions that provide our listeners value. When someone, if someone, say someone mentions pro wrestling, every ounce of my being will want to discuss New Japan Pro Wrestling and Kenny Omega and, and AEW and I'll just geek out for hours. I realized that that 
that doesn't bring my end listener value. So I have to ask them, I, I have to acknowledge that and we'll talk about that off mic. But then I go, okay, what I can talk about here is how you started your business. Um, what was the what was the one thing when you started your business that you weren't expecting? Why was it so difficult? And just those kind of questions, because I know that's why people are listening. Because if they want to hear about hip hop, they'll go and listen to a hip hop podcast. And I think that naturally will be one of my challenges because I have topics for my students in mind and we'll just see how it plays out. But how do you feel about the importance of niche or niche versus being able to get a bit creative and step outside the box? I mean, just just see where it goes. I mean, no one wants to listen to a robotic set of questions. Um, and I mean, you've done a really good job in this interview. Of you hear something that I say and you pick up on it and you go, oh, let's explore that a little. You don't want to just have a list of questions and go through them and get the answer and then move on to the next thing. If they, like sometimes I'll, I, I always come in, I write my questions before an episode. So I do a lot of research on the guests. I write down the questions and sometimes we'll only get to like four questions that I've written down. We've gone off in so many different directions. Sometimes we'll get to all of them, but it just, it's being kind of fluid in the moment and, and picking up on something that they say that you think, I know our listeners would, because sometimes when I'm listening to a podcast, I hear the interviewer miss the key moment where someone has said something and is hanging in the air and then they just breeze past it. So it's very difficult to do because you're thinking of a million things in your head when you're interviewing. And a lot of times you'll have a question relevant to something they just said and then they keep speaking and it's too late for you to go back to that question. So you can't, you have to abandon it and, and flow with what they're saying now. So it, which just comes with practice. And I think we're much more confident after a year than we were after we've been doing them on. Um, but it just comes with time. So I, I'd see where it goes. And again, listen to your audience. Every now and then, I've had a little kind of tangent where I've spoken about toy collating. And then all of a sudden, you get three DMs from people that go, oh my God, I collect this range of toys and they send you a picture of their collection. And you're like, okay, well, there were certain people that did enjoy that. So you don't have to always be on topic, but be on topic more than you're off topic. This is a very meta situation already, I can tell, because you're telling me what I've just experienced for the last 40 minutes yeah. <laughs> is very true. In terms of how and why you guys chose to do a podcast, because it wasn't COVID for you guys, why did you choose to do that or think it would be important? The reason we chose to do the podcast was because we were getting a lot of emails from people that were saying, how did you set up your business? What should I be doing? Blah, 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 asking for advice and stuff like that. And we were also getting asked to do a lot of talks in like schools, universities, and also in people's companies as well. We realized that if I go and talk to a class, then I can reach however many people are sat in that class. If I put that content on the internet, the possibilities are endless of how people could potentially hear that and be affected by it and be helped by it. So that was reason number one was to help people provide value. We believe in creativity and we want to spread that. And we think that we think that the school system is broken and we think that because it's 2020, a creative career is so possible and you don't have to do a shit job that you don't enjoy you can do something about and it takes hard work and it's difficult but it is realistic so we wanted to put our message out there we also in a totally selfish way we also wanted to grow our business I mean we get about a thousand listens a day of those 1,000 people maybe like 0.5% will be a potential customer 
But when you add up all of those plays, gradually, bit by bit, as our profile raises, eventually when people think, I want to do a creative project, they'll think of us. We didn't expect to make any money from the podcast in the first year of doing it. We actually have ended up making £30,000 from the podcast in the first year, which, I mean, blew me away. That's a a lot of money. Um, That was just from speaking gigs. People had heard us on the podcast and said, we want you to come and speak to this group or whatever. And so we started booking speaking gigs. And that was, well, how much do you charge for a speaking gig? We had absolutely no idea. So we'd done a talk in the Apple store. And the first time we did it, they paid us in iPad. They were like, they gave us an iPad each. So we just looked at the price of an iPad. We were like, okay, well, Apple think we're worth, I think it's £1,200. All of a sudden, that became our speaking fee. And then people contacted us and said, how much is it? We said, is this much? Some people said, that's too expensive. We said, okay, cool. Um, And then maybe you can negotiate. And then that, again, is that confidence of being able to charge. Like, that's a lot of money. But being able to charge that amount of money, having the confidence of after 10 years of running business, being able to make the ask, being confident in your prices, and saying, this is how much it's worth, because Apple have paid this much, so that's how much it must be worth. And I know people like Gary Vee charge, like, six figures for us all. So we knew that there that money is out there. I've completely like gone on a rant off of your question, but the podcast, we built it to grow our business, um, to grow our profiles, to help a bunch of people. And it turns out the more people you help, the more opportunities you actually get for yourself. You should never help people in order to get opportunities because that's kind of a dick move. But the beautiful kind of um, side effect of helping a bunch of people is it actually is really good. You went on a very good rant because I would have loved to talk about how you chose your pricing for speaking because I'm sure it's a question a lot of people will have uh, and then you hit on it and I said didn't have to ask anyway so that's perfect I do know specifically one youth in mind and she would make a better podcaster than me maybe than you she's very talented just like with, with that natural sort of talent at a young age and has gone two years without starting and really struggles with that mental health piece for my students people starting out what are things that maybe you would do differently or tips you would give them when it comes to podcasting Always our, our message is to just start. If you're waiting for the right time to do it, there will never be a right time. There's a there's a lovely phrase that one of our guests recited to us that I, I think is really lovely, which is the best time to plant a tree was five years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is today. You should have started your podcast two years ago, but it's fine that you didn't, but just make sure that you start today. I think the reason that you haven't started yet is there's probably fear of failure, fear of looking silly, lack of confidence. And these are all things that me and Adam went through. And in fact, the only reason that I did the podcast with Adam is because I wasn't brave enough to do it on my own. I kind of needed that other person. It just turns out that he fell in love with podcasting and got a lot more involved with there's fear of failure. There's, I mean, I hated my own voice. Everyone thinks that they sound like a dickhead. But it just takes time. You just the more you hear it back, and the more that people actually tell you, "Oh no, what, what you said, I found really useful." If you can have that confidence of, I might get some hate comments on this. Uh, for some people, this is going to be strange. There, who? Who does he think he is? He started a podcast and there's going to be a little bit of that. What they want you to do is they want you to stop after two weeks of them giving you this, oh, what, what, who do you think you are? Like, podcast, like, like, oh, so fancy with your podcast. In six months' time, they will have got bored of saying that and you will have started to find the people that want to listen to your podcast. The people that don't want to listen, you don't want them. They're not your target audience. And you're always going to get the people that are trying to bring you down. 
But if you can gradually, gradually build up one person at a time, one listener at a time, and know that you're making a difference to that one person, that's what you need to do. And you need to build that and gradually it will grow. Be prepared to put three years into it. And I think that's what terrifies most people. Three years sounds like a hell of a long time, especially like, I mean, I'm, I'm old, I'm 38. So if you're in your teens or in your 20s or whatever, three years sounds like a long time. It is such a short amount of time. If you can commit for the next three years, even if I only get one listener, I'm going to do this for the next three years. Trust me, by the end of three years, you will have more than one listener. In fact, you'll have more than 100 listeners because it's impossible for you to put that amount of time into something for it not to grow. And I think everyone wants a million listens tomorrow. And that's just not feasible. It's not realistic. But that's no reason to give up. There's someone we interviewed called Emma Gannon, who is a wildly successful writer, podcaster. And she said, there's a lot of better writers and better podcasters than me. But I just kept going. And that's all it is, is she kept going. So gradually, I think she's had more than 5 million downloads. And that's such an inspiration for me. It's like, we haven't even hit a million yet. And we've been going for a year. And I know that that million is, is like another year, maybe two years away. I know that we'll get there because we'll keep going. And even if we don't even reach the million, the journey is fun. Like creating a podcast is fun. Chatting to cool guests is fun. And getting DMs from the people whose lives you are affecting is really fun. So I think in life, people do what they want to do. We can't make you start a podcast. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. That's fine. But, but find what is. Find what does set you on fire that's going to make you happy. I just mentioned the significant money that we've made from podcasting. If you do a great show and you start to learn about marketing and you get it out there and you start to get people interested in your show, there's very, very real money to be made from having a show. So, so let that drive you. Find out what it is that you need to drive you forward. Get invested and then just don't stop. Don't let people put you down. Don't let anything stand in your way. Just say, this is what I'm going to do. And if you can say, I'm going to do it for the next three years, you'll be unstoppable. Well, I do have a couple of closing questions but I feel like that's the mic drop moment because um, I know what part of why my students struggle is the idea of haters and that sort of peers are, are just feeling like people are not willing to be vulnerable, right? So thanks for that. If you left advice, just that one piece of advice for the next generation, what would it be? Chase happiness. Chase happiness. Don't chase anything else. Happiness is, is the most important thing. Um, and don't get happiness twisted with pleasure. Pleasure is very different to happiness. So the sneakers and the car and the house brings you momentary pleasure. But happiness comes from a deep sense of fulfillment. And I get that from painting and I get it from helping people. And actually, the pleasure stuff follows along. It does come through a side effect of you doing the other stuff. Chase happiness. is It's okay to be happy. It's okay to grow and learn and become a different person. Don't be the person that everyone has put you in that box that they say you are. Be who you are. Um, and what is one thing that you yourself would like to learn? Um, so I am always trying to learn. And the fortunate thing now is because I'm interviewing a guest every week and most of the people that we interview have a book, I say reading, I, I listen to audio books. So I'll be listening to their books while I'm painting. I have read, I mean, literally hundreds of books over the past year. Probably if I wasn't doing the podcast, I probably wouldn't have found the time to do that. Um, so that's something I'm really lucky with. So there's, it's not one thing because this is the because there's such a wide span of guests that we get on 
It's like I'm learning things about business. I just read a book on anxiety, how to like crush anxiety, uh, imposter syndrome, like literally like just so many different topics and just becoming sort of more in touch with how to get over problems and be happier. Um, so that's, so I'm really lucky in doing that. But um, I, I know what I don't want to learn. Um, like I don't care to learn how to edit. I'd rather someone else do that for me because it doesn't excite me. When it comes to like business side, I've, I'm partnered with people who are good at the business side because it's not my strong suit. So rather than trying to get good at something that I have no interest in, I'd rather double down on the stuff that I'm already good at, I have already have an interest in, and trying to get better at those things rather than spending time in the areas where I'm weak because build a team around yourself and have other people do that stuff that are better at it and actually enjoy it rather than spending your time doing something that you hate. So yeah, it's it's there's not really anything specific. I suppose at the moment, my biggest learning journey is learning how to public speak um, because I, I've read the TED book and I've, I've read a couple of different books on public speaking and there's general advice but like everything in life the only way that you really learn is by actually doing it i know it's like a stand-up comedian going up there every night and bombing every time i do a speaking gig i'm learning something different i'm having a new experience and in and very much in the in the vein of stand-up comedy i'm starting to learn how to read the room a little bit and oh if i say this this gets a laugh at this point so whilst it's not a comedy performance it's like there are definitely elements of comedy because that's part of my character something i like to bring to it so really enjoying learning about public speaking that's great make sure you check out that Chappelle one because he talks about how he nailed it on his first one and someone said nobody's ever hit it out of the park on their first show and they're like well actually maybe just Dave Chappelle and that's it but nobody since and he said that's true but I bombed my second to my tenth he said the first night was amazing (laughs) we need to remember that all so scared of failures and it's like if that is part of learning that's to be expected and to be embraced um, so, so yeah, just expect it and then it can't surprise you. For sure. So this is something I want to try. I don't know where the content answer will come in. I've always been interested to flip the question at least once. Obviously, I don't have a following. I don't have people who know the hell, how the hell I am. So it may not make as much sense. But if you were to ask a question that you think I could answer, what would be a question that you think my answering would help my audience? One of my favorite questions to ask guests is what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Um, so that would be my flip is what's the best piece of advice because I think you can learn so much from that because there's just certain things that people have said to us in our past that just stick with us um, and it's not people don't always have it front of mind um, but it's definitely worth considering yeah and my front of mind answer is it's a football coach of mine who told me after screwing up a whole bunch of times that the real um, test will be to see if I'm still around next week that's just stuck with me in terms of grit and resilience and he's since passed so I think of that and think of him often thank you for that Honestly, you have me rethinking the idea of my format. I appreciate how long you took to do this and I'll have to think about it because my original thought was I wouldn't have to take up as much time, but I've learned now that time goes very quickly. Maybe that was my own fear or what have you, thinking that I only need to take up 20 or 30 minutes of people's time and we could have an hour and a half long episode on a topic. There's a lot of 30 minute podcasts out there, um, but I think after the first 30 minutes, people run out of their stock stories. 
And that's when you get into the real stuff, especially if it's someone like Marie Forleo, who's like so well rehearsed. It's only once you get past that like 40 minute mark that you're like, okay, this is this is new stuff that I've not heard on another podcast or you actually get the good stuff. So for us, the hour format is perfect. You probably have to consider um, your students' attention span, um, like how much of this show are they actually going to listen to? Again, I'm always thinking about the end users. So as I was being interviewed, everything I was saying I was saying for for them as a listener, and I was answering your questions in probably a different way than I would if I was on the Forbes business. But do you know what I mean? It's like I'm I wouldn't talk about being a down and out graffiti artist that wasn't given a chance in society and sort of things. I'm I'm doing stuff that's going to be more relatable to people that are listening. Yeah. So I've waffled for an hour. So you could probably cut this down to just twenty minutes of just zingers that are that are really firing. So. And, and that's exactly the interesting thing, right? We're only going to learn by trying, but cutting it down to 20 minutes and then publishing three 20 minute episodes or doing 60 minutes of 2020, 20, the reason for that for me was just kind of like something unique to the market, which I'm also not scared to do a longer one, you know, because I think end user up until today has been me yesterday. And so yeah. what I've always, for me personally, as a, a big podcast consumer, I'm a big pauser. And I don't like having to go look for other episodes. I don't like researching to find the next episode that I think is going to be good. But if I'm on a good one, I'm like, oh, if that was four hours of quality, but I could always pause it, then that takes me through two or three days yeah. of my my commute life. So the 11 minute ones and stuff like that, I think are cool, but I'm like, it's not, it's not for me. I'm the same, but at the end of the day, our opinions are worthless. You've got to, you've got to have a, your test group of kids and, and just ask them for honest feedback of, was this too long? And, and then send them the 20 minute one and go, is this better? And listen to them because at the end of the day, they're, they're who you're serving. Very well, but it's a great way to wrap up. Thank you. Do you have any tips for how to wrap up? <laughs> um, sometimes it will be a, like, 45 minutes or like 55 minutes and I've got like two or three questions still left but sometimes they just say something that's so perfect I we just have to end it on that because you know it's never going to get better than that so um, right. I'm listening out for that moment and then in terms of wrapping up how do we wrap up I think I can't like I'm always kind of aware of how long we've been going once I know that we're getting to the sort of 50 minute mark I know that we can end it at any time between 50 minutes and 10 past the hour so I've got a 20 minute buffer so I'll just wait for it to naturally be the end at some point within those 20 minutes i'll ask like an, a good ending question of like what would your advice be to someone who's in a similar situation you're creating the mic drop moment for them you're making it easy for them of like what's your main piece of advice it's always a question like that that will end on something profound that will hopefully stick with people because it's the last thing that they heard and, and that's i wanted the theme questions too I think naturally the only reason why we're having this conversation is because it's on podcasting in a future guest on online marketing or something that's naturally going to wrap up with that theme question of what's one thing, what one piece of advice. Do you want me to send you the audio? Never, ever, ever send the audio. Unanimously, what will happen is they will listen to it. They will realize where they made mistakes. They will realize, oh, I don't want to say that actually about that or that was stupid. I shouldn't have said that. So we say at the beginning, don't worry, the podcast is edited. If you say anything that you regret, just let us know. We'll take it out. If they remember, they'll then come back and go, oh, I said shit about my old boss. Can you take that out? Absolutely fine. We'll get rid of it. But if they then listen back, to it then they're looking for things that they can take out of it and then they want to start editing the podcast for you and it's a fucking nightmare just don't want to get into it i don't send them the audio once it's published for them it's free content so i mean they might want to put it on their channels well thank you very much 
can't say enough how appreciative I am. Oh, I know I know how we end. We go tell people where they can find you online. Follow me at David Speed UK on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter. Um, and the podcast is at Rebels Create on Instagram or just search Creative Rebels on any podcast platform. Awesome. Thank you very much for doing this. Appreciate it. And can't wait to see more graffiti art. Thank you, dude. All right, that's all, folks. That one really made me want to start painting. Thanks to our guest, David Speed. I really hope to get across to the UK sometime soon and check out his artwork in person. But for now, social media posts will have to do. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. But most importantly, pass it on to someone who might just appreciate it. Until the next episode of Learned, thank you so much. All the best. And remember, just keep learning.